Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. Okay, well tonight we start a three-week series called Stressed Out. And uh, is anyone there in this Christmas season feeling a little bit stressed out? All right. So this morning we started a series called Celebrate Good Times. All of these series have a soundtrack, so uh, let's sing the soundtrack to this one. Linnea, you ready to kick us off? If I could turn back time to the good old days. We're just stressed out. We know the words to that song. Um, so stressed out, stressed out. How are we doing? It's December. It's a time we freak out. And uh, the new year ticks over, and isn't it weird? All of a sudden, we've all of a sudden got this new lease of life and energy just because the year ticked over, and uh, we're ready to go. But um, and 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 sometimes kids get hungry and they need to go and get their dinner. So if you want to do that right now, kids, then you can go and head up the back and grab your dinner. Lavina is waiting there for you. Show good manners and come straight back to your seat and sit with your parents. And if your children are in the program tonight, they are getting fed as well. Katie, you can go get some food if you like. No, she's fine. Okay, okay. Well, you might have some serious stresses on you at the moment. Maybe it's your health that you're struggling with. Or maybe there's a, and because of your health struggle that you've got at the moment, the health stress that you've got at the moment, there's a sense of urgency around your family Christmas gathering this year. You're feeling differently about it because of that health issue. Or maybe it's finance. Maybe it's finance because of your health issue. (laughs) Maybe you're like, all right, kids, Santa has gone on holidays this year. And maybe you don't have the the finance that you were hoping for or expecting for this time of year. Maybe it's time. Who knows that there's always stress? You always have stress, right? That's always around us. Um, Well, I believe that this series will absolutely help you. I believe that this series will help you not only navigate this last part of the year, But actually, if we take it on board, it'll help set us up for the new year. As we put things in practice, it'll help set us up for the new year. We're going to, in the weeks to come, we're going to have some really um, practical solutions from the Bible about how to cope with stress. Uh, But this morning, wow, tonight, I want to give you something about the stressed out part, the out part of being stressed out. Have you ever been there where you're like, you're stressed out, you're checked out, you're like, I'm I'm out. I'm sorry. It's too much and I'm out. Um, I think we've all been there. There are stresses on our lives all the time. There's deadlines, there's pressure, there's invitations, there's challenges, there's burdens, load, tension, strain, constraints, hardships. But usually we find that we've got the ability to move through them. We kind of just know that we've got to see out this season and we'll get through them. And and maybe, maybe you like living at an 8 out of 10. Like you like going fairly hard. You like to live at that level. But maybe, maybe you're more content with a 6 out of 10. You find that you like to be a bit more cruisy. Um, I don't know where, where you like to sit, but if we live at a 10 out of 10, we're not supposed to live there. We're not supposed to sustain that pace for very long. And actually, um, our adrenaline kicks in if a tragedy happens and we can live there for a little while, but we're supposed to scale it back down in order to live good lives. And if we're living at a 10 out of 10 already and tragedy strikes, then we've got no room for that tragedy to be there. Have you ever lived there? And your adrenaline could carry you for a little while, but you found it leaking out and getting harder and harder. And we go, ah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. You know, someone said to me recently, I was highly affronted. Someone said, 
um, Daz is the hardest worker I know. And I thought, oh, it keeps harder than Daz. And, um, and, and I had to tell myself, it's not about you, Bron. Um, but, but what they were referring to is his ability to just keep going. And he just does not stop. And, and I feel like I work as hard and I, I do as much and achieve as much and all that kind of thing, or, you know, whatever. Um, good on you, Bron. But, I, uh, but I, I crash. I know that about myself, that I can't keep going and going and going or I will crash. And it's good to know about yourself. It's good to become aware of. So where is it for you that you get stressed out? And out can look different for everybody. Uh, you know, this weekend, um, Friday night, we had a, a gathering up in Bendemeer, which was unreal. And then sun, a Saturday morning, we got in the car and drove to Coffs Harbour to a baby shower, which was great. And then we drove to Bonnie Hills and helped some our friends unpack their house, which was great. And then we drove back here and got here after 11 last night. And then we, I went to Gunnedah this morning to be with our amazing church in Gunnedah. And then we came back to a birthday lunch. And then I came back to prepare my sermon for tonight. And then, whoa, like, you know, that is not sustainable. <laughs> that does not last very long. Some of you are like, that's nothing, Bron. Okay. <laughs> fine. Um, but stressed out is when we say, I'm out. Sometimes we can be peopled out. We're just like, I, 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 I need some time on my own. I, I've just got to be free of people. But sometimes when we get so stressed out, what the whisper that comes to us sounds like is, just quit, or just go, or just leave, just stop. And the whispers are often prefaced by that just to, to devalue the significance of standing through a difficult season. Like they say, just stop, just, oh, just quit, just quit. There's no just about it. There's something amazing that happens when we stand in the midst of hardships and if we stand in the midst of trials and standing when things get going tough. And so tonight, I want us to look at the big thing that sets up everything else when it comes to being stressed out. They're stressed out and they're stressed out. And whether you're stressed out on your way to getting stressed out and you're hearing those whispers of just quit, just leave, just stop, or whether you are stressed out and you're out and you're barely here, you're barely even checked in tonight, this gives us a solution to be able to handle that and check back into the game or not go too far that we're out, out. And so we're going to look at a man in the Bible and see how he handles the stress. And we're first introduced to him in 1 Kings chapter 17 where it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe. Isn't that incredible? I don't know anything about Tishy. <laughs> but he's making a proclamation that there's not going to be any rain on the land until he says so. He says there's not going to be any rain. There's not even going to be any dew. There will be no What's that word? precipitation. Precipitation. There's not going to be any. Thank you, front row again. Precipitation. <laughs> yeah, you just got some precipitation. Um, there's no precipitation in the land. There's no moisture. There won't be a fog. And that's bad. And God directs him out of the path of Ahab, the crazy king. And, and because when you make a proclamation, there's not going to be any rain in the land and the whole agrarian society is dependent on rain. <laughs> Sound familiar, anybody? That, they, that, that there's this, you know, there's a drought, so the king wants to kill him. He goes, how dare you make a proclamation like that? And so God leads him to the Kerith Ravine where there's a brook of water for him to drink and some ravens come and feed him. Who wants to make a raven sound tonight? <laughs> perfect <laughs> and so that's good but because of the nature of the drought the ravine dries up and God directs him to a widow in Zarephath letting Elijah know that she will feed him and he has to walk 85 miles to get to this widow in Zarephath she offers him some water 
and, and he upsells himself. She says, can I get you a glass of water? He said, yes, I'll have some bread too, thank you. And she says, um, she says well, I'm sorry, I don't have any bread. I've got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And, and my plan was that that was to be my son and my, my last meal. I was going to cook that. You know, this is how dependent they were on the rains to come because they had that, they had nothing else. And after that, they were just going to wait for starvation to kill them. And uh, that's a serious drought. And, and he says to her, just trust me. If you'll do that for me, the flour won't run out and the oil won't run out until there's rain in the land. And so she trusts him and she cooks him a little loaf of bread and, and he eats it. And, and then they've got this overflowing supply of oil and flour, which is good. The son dies though. That's bad. But Elijah prays and he's healed. That's good. And verse 24 of chapter 17 says that, Now I know you are a man of God and the word of, your God from, the, word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Because, you know, he prayed for the sun and he was healed. You would have thought that the never-ending supply of flour and water would have done it and oil. But no, it was, uh, it was the, her son coming back to life. So it's the third year of the drought. And Elijah knows now that it's time to confront the evil king. Now, this is a long story with a guy called Obadiah. But basically, Ahab, the evil king, sees Elijah and says, You're a troublemaker, Elijah. And, and Elijah says, No, you're a troublemaker, Ahab. It's all your family that's caused this bad drought to happen. The way that you've decided to worship other gods, you've brought evil to this land. And basically, he gives him a challenge throwdown. Tell you what, Elijah, uh, Ahab even, Ahab, I'll meet you on the top of Mount Carmel. You bring your prophets, I'll bring myself. And we'll have a showdown. And so up they go to the Mount Carmel. And you've probably heard this story if you went to Sunday school. And it makes me wonder at the stories we tell our kids in Sunday school. But, uh, but, but either way, it's a brilliant story. And if you don't know it, I'm going to tell it to you now because it's my favorite. So they're up at the top of Mount Carmel. And, and, and Ahab says, okay, well, not Ahab. Ahab's a bad, evil king. Elijah says, okay, you prophets of the uh, false god Baal, put your beast down. And I'll put my beast down over here. And whoever, whoever's god sends fire from heaven and burns up the sacrifice, that's the god that's real. And so basically they start to um, call down fire from their God and, and some good old-fashioned Aussie sledging starts happening. Elijah's like, well, maybe God's gone for a trip. Maybe, has he? Like, guys, he's gone for a wander. And uh, favorite line, maybe in the Bible, says maybe he's gone to the toilet. He's just uh, like, how is that in the Bible? That is the best. And, um, and so Elijah said, maybe, you know, he's preoccupied. Maybe he's in deep thought or something. And, and so what they do, which is their tradition, they begin to harm themselves and they begin to cut themselves in worship to their God. Um, you know, it sounds abhorrent, but what do we run to? Uh, what do we gorge ourselves on when we are looking to a false God, when we're, we're looking to our idols? And, and have you ever seen that in play? And have you ever been that person that, that has had to run to their idols in order to cope? So they're over there and they're harming themselves and they're, they're calling down fire from their God. And, and Elijah says, okay, you're done, guys, you're done. And they're kind of all worn out and, and bleeding out. So um, Elijah comes over here and he pours water all over the beast and does that a couple of times. And then he prays to God and says, God, you're the one true God. Show everyone here that you are. And whew, fire falls down from heaven and burns that up. And then he um, puts to death all the prophets of Baal. And uh, okay, see you kids. Okay, have a good Sunday after Sunday school. Um, and so, and so um, Ahab decides that he, he tells Jezebel and, and she decides that she's going to kill him. That's his wife. She will kill him now because of what he does. She actually says, what you did to those prophets of Baal, I'm going to do to you and I will not rest until I do that to you. So Elijah runs and he comes to rest outside a broom 
are under a broom tree. We'll take up the story in 1 Kings 19, 19. It says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush and sat under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Why after everything that Elijah had witnessed and been a part of and everything that, that he'd seen and, and, and seen happen, how could he get to this place where he says, God, just kill me? Like, just take me now because I'm no better than one of my ancestors. How is that possible? How can he get fed by ravens? How can he, how can he see a never-ending supply of flour and oil? How can he raise a young boy to life? How can he see God rain fire from heaven and, and, and put to death all those, all those false prophets and, and get to this place where he's under a broom tree saying, God, just take my life. It's not worth it anymore. Well, James chapter 5, gets, it, it gives us a clue here. James chapter 5 verse 17 says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. We always talk about that in terms of, well, if Elijah, as, as just a man, can pray like that and see such tremendous results, surely we, as just human beings, can see such tremendous results as well. And that's awesome. But here we see that Elijah was a human being, even as we are. So he saw all this tremendous stuff happen and he still got to the point where he was stressed out. He was out. He was done. It had gotten too much for him because he was human just as we are. He hasn't stopped loving God. He hasn't, he hasn't decided that God's not real anymore. He's just overwhelmed. It's just too much for him. Everything has crowded him in and, and, and all the adrenaline of everything that he's just experienced and, and, and everything that's come against him has now just gotten too much and he's stressed out. In verse 7 it says of 1 Kings chapter 19, the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So, so why is that significant, that, that he was comforted, a little bit of comfort, and then he was able to go another 40 days, another 40 nights, and, and climb his way up a mountain? I actually believe that right here is the clue of living without getting stressed out, without getting taken out by our life. We can come back from the edge of I'm out where Elijah was if we discover why Elijah went to Mount Horeb. So we'll have another look at, we'll go back even further in the Bible and look at Exodus chapter 19, back to Moses. Exodus 19, 19. So amazing. We started our story in 1 Kings 19, 19. Now we're going to Exodus 19, 19. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses, this is, 
This is hundreds of years earlier. Then Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. The Lord said to Moses in verse 9, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. Now, if we go forward a couple of chapters to Exodus chapter 33, Moses and the Lord are talking again, and it says in verse 19, And the Lord said, I'll cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Verse 21, Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Right, so Moses went up Mount Sinai and Elijah went up Mount Horeb. So clearly the clue to not being stressed out is to climb flag stuff. What's that where we're headed with this? Well, that helps, Joe, am I right? <laughs> to climb flag stuff, absolutely. But that's not where I'm getting at. You see, Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai are the same mountain. They're just called two different names in the Bible, different names for the same mountain. Different accounts call it Sinai, and the Yahweh call it Sinai, and the Elohim, the two different writers call it Horeb. So Elijah went up the mountain where he knew that all those years ago, God had spoken to Moses. He got a little bit of comfort over here to keep going, and he didn't then settle into the broom tree and say, well, God, can you send me some more ravens? I think I'll just camp out here for a little while. Once he was comforted and he had the strength to go on, then he went to a place where he thought, if I'm going to hear from God anywhere, it'll be here because this is where God spoke to Moses. And so he climbs Mount Sinai and waits for God to speak to him. So let's go back to when Moses is on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. Verse 16 says, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like a smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. At the, as the sound of the trumpet grew, grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. What a sight that would have been. Mount Sinai shaking, fire there, smoke billowing up, covered in a cloud. You know, incidentally, later that happens in the temple. Uh, when they complete the temple, the same thing happens there. And, and, and the, or everyone's standing around in awe. The whole place is shaken, fire, smoke, it's unbelievable. And, uh, you know, later on it then happens to the early church. There's like fire and wind and, and the place is shaken. And uh, I, I just, you know, we're the church. And um, it's funny that something that's so sacred that we would talk about a bit differently, isn't it? Imagine if we were here and, and there was smoke and lightning and thunder and everything. We, we would perhaps treat the church a little bit different. Anyway, okay, um, so we're back to the mountain and Elijah is there and he's poised. He's back at the mountain. We've just heard about what happened with Moses, but now Elijah is there and he's ready. And God asks, it says, and the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. He's really saying here, God, I'm busted. Hey, 
I'm out. It's gotten too much for me. He's, he's telling God what happened as if God doesn't already know. But, but what he's saying is it's too much. I'm stressed out. And verse 11 says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. The very same thing that he said to Moses in the very same place. It says, then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his coat over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. You see, God comes to the same place and says the same words as he's about to pass by, but speaks to Elijah in a completely different way. He speaks to him on a level that Elijah needs to hear him at that moment and at that time. When he's establishing something over here with Moses and then the Israelites, he speaks to them in a completely different way. But over here, he speaks to Elijah in a different way again. Why was Elijah even there? We know because he was out. He ran to God. He said, I need you, God, this moment. I need to hear from you. Without your next step for me, I've got nothing left. Have you ever been there? Are you there tonight? God says again. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah says exactly the same thing again. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazazel, king over Aram. And he tells him a few things that are going to happen. He doesn't, he doesn't say, well, Elijah, the thing is, this is why that had to happen like that. Let me explain to you how you ended up at this place. And, and let me just share with you, you know, let me just unpack this for you, Elijah, so that you have a better understanding of where you're at. God doesn't do any of that. He just tells him, well, this is what I want you to do now, Elijah. Are you right to go do that? Just gives him a next step. One next step. He could have said, he could have given him a future custom. He said, he could have said, Elijah, you're going to outlive Ahab. Don't worry. You're, you're not going to be killed by him. He is going to die. And actually the kingdom will pass to his son Ahaziah and, and Ahaziah is going to die without a son and it'll go to his uncle. So don't stress, Elijah. I've got you, okay? And I'm going to find you a helper. And, and he's called Elisha and we're going to go and do this together. He doesn't tell him any of that. He just gives him one next step. So what's the takeaway tonight? How do we keep from getting stressed out? Like out. How do we come back from being there? We need to hear from God. You might say, oh, no, Brian, I don't, I don't hear from God. I've heard you say things like God said and no, he doesn't speak to me. He, he, he doesn't speak to me. And maybe he doesn't speak to you like he spoke to the Israelites. And maybe he doesn't speak to you like he spoke to Elijah. Maybe in the same way that he did a different thing for that situation, a different thing for this situation, he speaks to you in a different way as well. The way he speaks to me the most is through his word. I read that Bible and I, I love that thing. I go a week without it and you don't want to know me. Right, Des? <laughs> Des is like, take your Bible and go to the cafe. <laughs> I need to hear from God. I need to hear from God through his word. But that wasn't always the case. When I was a teenager, I used to go for long walks on my farm and just being out in nature and just letting 
like kind of this friendship thing develop and we didn't like play noughts and crosses or anything like that, but there was just this relationship develop between us just from walking on the farm. How, how could it possibly be for you? I've heard people say, well, as yet, I, don't, I read the Bible and it confuses me. I don't get it yet. And I'd say, don't stop reading it. But, but hey, what's another way that he can speak to you? Some people turn on the worship music and, and they just love to listen to God speak to them that way. That's all legitimate ways to hear from God. The other day, if you want some weird ones, <laughs> I went to the lookout. It was one day Sunday and I, I needed to hear from God. And I went to the lookout and I parked the car and as soon as I turned off the edge and I burst into tears. Like, like not emotional tears, I just started crying. And the presence of God was right there. And then I stopped crying. <laughs> and that was it. You might say, well, that's pointless, Bron. No, there's something going on inside my spirit. I don't know what it was. I don't, I don't have any, I don't know that I'll even know this side of heaven, but something happened then. But we have to put ourselves in that position to hear from God. We don't hear from him if we don't make time for him. You know, Elijah spent, it's a massive, 40 days and 40 nights journey after having just a little bit of food and drink. He traveled all the way to Mount Horeb so that he could hear from God. What room are you making to hear from God? Are you expecting him to just interrupt you or will you stop and let him speak to you? My um, dear friend Ruth went on a sabbatical. Uh, she called it. She went, just booked in an Airbnb up the road and just took some music, took a book and a Bible. Um, there was no phone reception and she just went and spent time with God. I said, did you like go spare in the first 24 hours? She said, yeah, it was really hard. It was really hard to switch my mind off. It was really hard to focus. But she made that time to hear from God. I walked in here this afternoon to turn the air conditioner on and I heard some noise over near that pillar there. And, uh, and we've got mice at home at the moment, so I was a bit concerned, even though I'm super tough and mice don't scare me. But <laughs> I was, ah, ah. And, and there was Brucey sitting on the floor with his phone next to him just playing music. And I was going to tackle him from behind, but I just saw him do these ones. He was just sitting over at that pillar just hearing from God, sitting on his own in this church, just hearing from God. Where are you making time to hear from God? Maybe you're like, well, Ruth doesn't have any children and, and Brucey doesn't have a wife, so he doesn't know what it's like and, and it's really hard for me to make time from God. But I'd encourage you, don't let you, I can't do that to stop you from doing anything. What is it that you can do? Where is it that you can go? My thing now is that when I drop the kids to school, I've worked a bit before, um, school drop-off, but I don't do anything till I've had my quiet time. That was the only way that I could get a consistent quiet time was that I didn't do anything until I did my quiet time. I'm going to ask the band to come right now. The hardest thing I believe in hearing from God is actually believing that you're going to hear from Him, believing that He wants to speak to you, believing that He doesn't just speak to the person next to you, or believing that you need to hear something that's in a coherent sentence that you can write down and live on for the next five years. He gave Elijah a next step. On the lookout that day, he gave me a sense of presence. He will speak to you in however he wants to rather than how you want him to. But it says in Hebrews chapter 11, it says that anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Another version says who diligently seek him. 
And so if we want to hear from God, we have to have the faith that He's actually going to speak to us. Maybe you'll hear just in the Word of God. Maybe you'll hear through worship songs or maybe you'll hear in prayer. But will you make the time to hear from God? Because that's going to bring you back from the edge of stressed out and it's going to stop you from getting to the edge of stressed out. So tonight, I don't want to... I want these guys to sing a song and I'd like you to either join in or not and either stand up or not but just take the time while they sing this song to focus your attention on the God of all creation to actually believe that perhaps tonight He would speak to you that actually tonight He's someone who wants to be with His children that just because the Bible's been written that He hasn't taken all His gifts and his presence and everything away because we should just live on that. He hasn't written a book to lose his voice. He still wants to speak to us. And so tonight, whether you stand, whether you sit, whether you sing, whether you don't, would you just try to block out distractions so that you can hear from God? Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.